good evening. It's good to see everybody that's here tonight. Glad to have those of you with us online there. Uh, you can find us there on Facebook and on Twitter at HBC Tullahoma. You can find us on YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma. Uh, and then we do have our phone live streaming. You can call the church office. We'll be glad to give you that number uh, so that you can be able to uh, watch us or listen to us there. Uh, so be sure to take advantage of all those things. Be able to give us the uh, thumbs up, give us the hearts, the likes, share the posts on both of those. Uh, and that just helps to get the word out there even more for others. Uh, while you're there online, though, go to our church website at HighlandBaptistChurch.com. It's under the info tab there that you can download our worship bulletin. Uh, go ahead and get that downloaded. There's a lot of events uh, that are coming up uh, for that. And then you can also uh, download the children's worship bulletins uh, that are there too, as well as under that same link is the prayer list for tonight. So be sure to get that done. If you need one of these in person, we do have some down here at the front on both sides. So be sure you get one of those uh, prayer lists. We'll be going over that in a little while. If you have a prayer request there online, be sure to share it on Facebook. That's what we'll be watching uh, live to see any requests uh, that are there. So be sure to do that. And then also while you're there on our church uh, website, if you would just go to the far right hand side, click the give online tab there and you can do your online giving uh, while you're there. Uh, you can do it as a recurring gift or you can do it also as just a one time or designate uh, there also. Uh, let me just share a couple of quick things with you to remind you. Uh, Awana, uh, our kickoff will not be next week. Uh, that's going to be the following week. Uh, so uh, just want to remind everybody about that. Uh, we do still need some helpers uh, for the, some simple meals for about 30 to 35 Awana kids to begin with. Hopefully we have a little more than that as we go on. Uh, but if your Sunday school class would like to help, uh, please let us know. You can let me know, uh, Miss Linda know, or Amy know uh, at the office, and that way we can get you uh, connected in. If you'd be willing to help us to coordinate that uh, with doing the meals uh, each week, uh, let us know that too. And then don't forget the connection cards. If you've got those filled out, to be, be sure to turn those in. You can put them in the offering plate. Uh, you can put them in the uh, box outside of the office there at Amy's office. Uh, but if you did not get one of these, they are refilled back in the holders. Uh, the holders are on the wall uh, back there and on the sides here, not in the windowsills, but in the holders. Uh, so be sure to get one of those, fill those out. And the reason we're asking you especially to fill that out, sometimes emails change, sometimes phone numbers change, but especially because we've added a question there, if you would like to receive any notifications for special services or special events uh, that are coming up, in addition to those prayer requests that we send out, you can check those, how you would like to receive those, and we'll be sure to get you on the list there. And then one final thing too, because we're in the book of Revelation, uh, there are a few, we printed a few extra of these. They're on this side of the stage over here by the, by the rail. Uh, if you need the numbers charts and then also the prophecy charts, we have some of those. Be sure to pick up one of those. If you just wanna take some and share them with your friends, uh, that'd be a great outreach also to get them uh, to tune in on Wednesday nights to hear uh, our service and to see our service or maybe even to attend. So Brother Mike, if you'll come and I'll get your words up here in just a moment. Five twenty-four, hymn five twenty-four. We're marching to Zion. Miss Pat. <clears throat> Come we that love the Lord and let our joy be known. Join in a song with sweet accord. Join in a song with sweet accord. And us around the throne, and us around the throne. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew. But children of the heavenly king, but children of the heavenly king may speak their joys abroad, may speak their joys abroad. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. 
city of God, the hill of Zion hills, a thousand sacred sweets. Before we reach the heavenly fields, before we reach the heavenly fields, or walk the golden streets, or walk the golden streets, we're marching the Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. Okay, if you have your prayer list, hopefully you got that downloaded uh, there online. Let me switch over to Facebook where I can be able to follow along with any of your requests uh, that you may have uh, online there. So give me just one second. It's working. <laughs> okay. So be sure to comment there on Facebook. You can comment on the others. Uh, you can send us an email, however you may need to do that. Uh, but we can, we'll only see those live during the service uh, here on Facebook. So uh, just so that you're aware uh, of that. All right, so uh, as you go through, look, take a look at your prayer list, um, uh, just to give you a few updates, Gil Williams is doing better, but he still has a ways to go uh, with his healing from his car wreck. And so uh, we praise the Lord for where he's at, but just continue to pray uh, that his healing will be complete. Had to report from Beverly Daniels that she's uh, improving. Uh, so continue to remember her in your prayers too, though. I remember Arthur Hargrove saw him on Monday. He said he wasn't feeling well uh, on Sunday, and that's why he wasn't here then. But uh, you want to keep him in your prayers. And then we also uh, added uh, tonight Brenda Gilbert. Uh, she's been having some medical issues, and so just keep her uh, in your prayers. And then Kim Saunders, uh, who is a member here, a friend of, um, of um, Brian's, uh, he called today and asked if we would put her on the prayer list. She's going to be having surgery on August the 29th. She has some cancer uh, issues there, and she's going to be having that surgery here in Tullahoma, and then she's going to be going to Murfreesboro the following week uh, to have some procedures done there. So keep her uh, in your prayers. Uh, also, uh, we had a good report from uh, Donnie Meadows. Uh, he, it was, he did great. Uh, they, don't, they don't anticipate doing any chemo radiation uh, and any of that. They think it was just isolated to that one area there in the colon, so we just praise the Lord uh, for that. Uh, we've added Mary Liebig uh, to the prayer list. That is uh, Linda Smith's mom. Her dad also, uh, who was still recovering from the effects of COVID, but her mom also did get COVID this past week, so keep her uh, in your prayers. And then also uh, remember um, Randy Tatum, who is Ken Tatum's brother. Uh, his cancer is not improving, uh, and so just want to continue to remember him in prayer. He continues to get a little worse. Uh, and then Laura Curtis, uh, we mentioned her last week, and she still is uh, not doing uh, great either. Uh, the last word we had is they were not just looking at trying to save uh, her hand. They're actually looking at trying to save her arm uh, because of the, the infection that uh, went up her arm now. And so the issue she needed for the liver transplant is a no-go uh, for now. And then Jay Barbier has been having a lot of uh, side effects, too, from his chemo. Uh, treatments. He's our youth specialist for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, uh, so keep him uh, in your prayers. There are others who are on the prayer list there that we do want to continue to remember. Uh, Libby Kine's not improved, uh, still about the same, Rick Miller's mom, uh, and uh, uh, 
I believe Rosalie Moore from the last that uh, Steve had told me she was uh, doing better from the situation we had put, put her on the prayer list uh, for there. Any others that we need to mention here in person? Any we need to add? Yes. Okay, so let's remember Cindy Jordan. Any there online? Not seeing any right now. Anybody else in person? Any updates? Okay, and so the, the praise there was for Linda Ray, uh, who was at home recovering. She's on our friends and family list there. She had had a stroke, uh, but things have, have gotten better there with her, and they don't anticipate her having to go back unless she has some other issues uh, with that. So we just praise the Lord uh, for that. Anybody else? Again, if you are watching online, be sure to comment there on Facebook. Uh, and then uh, even if you comment now we will, and we don't get to the prayer request right now, we will go back and look at the very end uh, before we uh, leave uh, the service uh, and, and make sure that we didn't miss anyone there. Okay. Well, I don't see any others then, and I don't see any on Facebook. So let's go to the Lord then uh, in prayer as the Lord lays uh, on our heart tonight. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer, we just want to thank you for each and every person that is on our prayer list. Uh, Father, we thank you that we can come before you on behalf of those. But Lord, before we even do that, we just pray that as we come into your holy presence, you are an almighty and an all-powerful God. And Lord, as we come into your, the presence of your holiness, we recognize uh, very distinctly our sinfulness. And we just ask God that you would forgive us that you would cleanse us from any ungodly thoughts, any uh, ungodly uh, or wicked deeds that maybe we have done in our lives, or maybe, Lord, things that you have commanded us to do that we've not been faithful to do. Father, I pray that you would forgive us and cleanse us from all of our sin and that you would uh, forgive us, Lord, wash away our unrighteousness uh, from our lives as you replace it with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for what you did in sending him to die on the cross for us, to be resurrected from the grave so that we could have that forgiveness of our sin and so that we can even boldly come before your throne of grace tonight through the precious blood. Of Jesus Christ. Father, we especially tonight uh, want to intercede on behalf of each one of these on this list and maybe others, Lord, that we didn't mention tonight. We just pray, Heavenly Father, that you will uh, have your hand upon each one of them. We pray, God, that you will stir their hearts and give them encouragement and strength. Lord, help them to have a peace that passes all understanding uh, in their hearts. Father, be with those who have lost loved ones and send the Holy Spirit, who is the great comforter to them, to help them through the valley of the shadow of death. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will walk with them, you will lead them, you will guide them, and may they find strength and security in your presence. Father, we pray for uh, those who are still going through physical difficulties and need your healing hand. Lord, Lord, you are the great physician, and we thank you, Lord, for doctors, for nurses, for caregivers that you've given to take care of us in situations like these. Continue to give those individuals wisdom and discernment as they're caring for these uh, individuals on our prayer list. But, Lord, you know each person's need even better than any doctor or nurse does, and you are more capable and able uh, to take care of those things. So we uplift them to you, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you will uh, touch them with your healing hand. Uh, Lord, let them sense and feel your power and your presence in their heart and in their lives uh, tonight as you bring that healing uh, to their bodies. Father, we pray that uh, you would be with our missionaries. Continue to place a hedge of protection about them. Keep them safe, uh, Lord, as they are uh, in, in many places sharing the gospel in harm's way. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will help them to boldly uh, look for those opportunities and to share uh, as they can the, the good news of the gospel message. And Father, I just pray also uh, 
that you would be with our military who are serving around this world. Uh, keep them safe in your arms and bring them back, Lord, safely also to their families. Lord, our world seems to sometimes be in so much turmoil. We know that from what we're studying in the book of Revelation, it's only going to get worse, way worse than what we've ever experienced it thus far. And so, Father, I just pray that in the times that we're going through, in the difficulties that our world is facing, Lord, through all of the darkness of sin that is around us, may we see the light of your truth truth, the light of your presence. And Father, I pray that there will be people who will turn by faith to trust in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And Father, I pray that you would use us as believers to be sure to share the good news of the gospel uh, with them uh, before it's too late. Uh, so Lord, bless us uh, tonight. And we just pray, God, for your hand to be upon us as we study the book of Revelation. Uh, may you just move in our hearts and our lives in a powerful way. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen, amen. Well, take your Bibles tonight, and if you will, turn to the book of Revelation. And Revelation chapter 14, uh, we're picking up where we left off last week. We actually have uh, three messages that are going to take us through uh, the chapter uh, 14. And so, uh, I hope I'm still connected. There we go. And so I've entitled my message uh, tonight, Life After Death. Uh, th and that's what we're going to see here. Last week we looked at the 144,000, uh, those that God has kept uh, during this time. Not one of them uh, were lost uh, during that time. Uh, we also had seen the previous uh, time uh, looking at the number of the beast and that though there would not be any buying or selling uh, or trading or doing anything uh, unless you have that number of the beast, which we remember is 666. Uh, and uh, that was the, it was a counterfeit, if you will, because we've uh, talked about that before. It's the devil's counterfeit to the name of God uh, upon the foreheads of believers. Uh, and so those who did not receive this mark of the beast, uh, we found out they were murdered, they were executed. Uh, but yet all through all of that, there were these 144,000 who were kept safe. Well, we come to this section in the middle of chapter 14, uh, and we're going to see here that in the rest of this chapter, uh, there's going to be six angel messengers. Three of those uh, are in our verses tonight. You know, when you think about the Greek in, in, when, in the times in which this was written, in, in Greek dramas, uh, battles and important events weren't always acted out uh, on stage um, because they would have been too complicated uh, to, for a small cast, if you will, uh, of actors to handle. Instead, what would happen in between scenes is a messenger would come out on the stage, announce an event that happened, and then they would go to a more specific uh, scene uh, that a small cast of actors uh, could, could address and, and give a performance of. Uh, what we find out in, in this passage is that is the role of these six messenger angels. They have come to give some messages. The first angel announces the gospel in verse 6 and verse 7. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Uh, Dr. Henry Morris uh, wrote, If Christ is not the creator, he can hardly be the savior or the coming king. These men of the last days must first be called back to believe in a true creation and therefore a real creator before they can ever be constrained to come to him as savior. And so that's the message that we're going to begin to see here in verses 6 and verse 7. Uh, that he's announcing, this angel's announcing the gospel. Uh, you know, when, in our day, when, when the battle between creationism and evolutionism uh, continues, even in our educational system, uh, it ought to be noted that this angel stresses creation unlike the world uh, of today. Uh, one last attempt we're going to see in verse one and, or in verse six and verse seven in these first two verses uh, is going to be made to call the people back uh, to fear the living God and to worship him. The second angel is going to announce the fall of Babylon, and you'll see that in verse eight. Of course, those followers of Satan, they're still not going to listen uh, to, to their coming destruction, even if the angels are standing right there in front of them. Because you remember Jesus said, even if, if someone was to come back from the dead, you, you wouldn't believe. 
Uh, and, and so uh, when Jesus came back from the dead, they, they didn't believe then. And here's angels standing before them, giving them this message of the coming destruction, and they still won't listen. If they're waving red flags in front of them, they still wouldn't listen. And that's what we're going to see from here on out uh, through the rest of these judgments that are about to come. In fact, we're going to find out that the people don't repent. In fact, they get angrier uh, as things go on. Well, the third angel announces the options of the people in verse 9 through verse 13. You can either worship the beast and be damned by God, or you can worship God and be damned by the beast. In other words, what this angel comes to share is there is no in-between. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot be of the world and of God also. And then we see he also says that God has a special blessing for those who believe during those tribulation days in verse 13. Now, the one thread that each of these uh, angels communicates in their message is that judgment and death are coming for everyone. And we need to get ready for when that day comes. Uh, you know, so often we don't like to talk uh, about death, but we ought to understand uh, that there is life after death for every single one of us. Uh, there was a man who was talking to a seven-year-old boy one time, and he asked him what he thought about death. And the little boy said, well, everybody has to die sometime, even if you don't want to. <laughs> and so even if you don't want to, it's going to happen for every single one of us. Unless Jesus returns first, then everybody is going to die whether they want to or not. And so the question isn't, are you going to die? Uh, nor is it, when are you going to die? Nor is it even, how are you going to die? The question is, where are you going after you die? That's the big question. Uh, in, in Indiana, there's a cemetery with a tombstone uh, that's over 100 years old, and it has this epitaph on it. It says, remember, friend, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be, so prepare for death and follow me. And that sounds good. Well, some unknown passerby had read those words and, and scratched his reply below them and said, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> You know, I don't know who wrote those words, but, but they were absolutely correct. Uh, the important thing about death isn't death itself as much as it is about what follows death. And there's only two ways to die. You can either die in the Lord or you can die outside the Lord. Uh, you can die saved or you can die lost. You can die as a child of God or you can die as a child of Satan. Uh, you can die headed for heaven or you could die headed for hell. Uh, you could die a forsaken sinner, uh, or you could die a forgiven saint. Uh, you, the thing we need to realize is you can't determine whether or not uh, you're going to die, excluding suicide. You can't even determine even then uh, when you're going to die, uh, because even then you can't know for sure. You could try to commit suicide. I've known individuals who tried and thought they were going to die, and they didn't. And then they had to live with the after effects of that. But you and you alone will determine how you're going to die. To die or not is not your choice, but in the how you die, you have a voice where you spend eternity uh, after death. And so there's a major difference between the death of a sinner and the death of a saint. So when a sinner dies, uh, they can expect retribution. But when a saint dies, they can expect uh, reward. Let me get back to our sermon here it skipped off of it in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46 it says and these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life and so no one can pardon like God can but neither can anyone punish like God can so you have a choice you can either reject the pardon that's already been paid for you through the precious blood of Jesus Christ and accept uh, God's punishment, or you can receive God's pardon and avoid God's punishment. But after you die, you're either going to experience the pardon of God or you're going to experience the punishment 
of God. And so in this passage of scripture, John reveals the reality of the tremendous difference between the destiny of the sinner after they die and the destiny of the saint after they die. And so what I want you to see uh, first, and hopefully I pushed the right button. Nope, <laughs> still didn't get it. <laughs> what I want you to see first here is the tragic death of the sinner. The tragic death of the sinner. You know, in some of the most forceful language uh, used in all of the Bible here, John describes the fearful fate that awaits the sinner who dies outside of the Lord. And he warns us in an unmistakable language that the road of rebellion dead ends into the place called hell. And so notice here, first of all, the curse of hell. The curse of hell. Uh, I want to pick up, if you will, let's just read, uh, believe, let's see how I have these. I'm not sure how I put them in order. Yeah, okay. We're going to pick up with verse 8. And verse 8 says, another angel, so we've already skipped the first angel here uh, who's already spoken. We'll come back to him in just a moment. But I want to give you this picture uh, of hell itself. It says, another angel, a second, followed, saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who made all nations drink the wine of, her, of the passion of her sexual immorality. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength, into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur, uh, some versions say fire and brimstone, in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the, of the Lamb. And then verse 11 says, And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. What a picture that's painted here of this place called hell. When you read those verses, you can almost feel the heat and, and smell even the smoke as you read those terrible words. You know, no amount, no amount of effort can diminish the horrors that are portrayed in the scriptures uh, about hell. Hell is a subject so often that is rarely discussed, but uh, when, when it is, Many times it's, it's either hotly debated or it's very lightly dismissed. There's all kind of arguments given against hell, uh, that there is a hell uh, by those who are laymen and even sometimes by those who consider themselves as, as theologians, as if somehow denying the concept of hell therefore destroys the reality of hell. Uh, the world itself mocks the idea of hell. You know, men of God who, who dare to preach the truth of the Bible concerning this terrible place are, are labeled sometimes hellfire and brimstone preachers. Uh, you've heard that term uh, maybe before. Somebody says, well, uh, if we had more hell in the pulpits of America, we might have less hell in the land of America. You know, many scoff at the idea uh, and the reality of hell. And they dismiss it as, as that's just some fundamental uh, thing. Newsweek magazine even labeled hell as the H word, a subject too trite for serious scholarship. Uh, Gordon Kaufman, who was a theologian at Harvard, University, Harvard Divinity School, went so far as to say this. He said, I don't think there could be any future for heaven and hell. In other words, there, are no, there is no heaven and there is no hell. And so uh, our response is, though, to those who don't believe that there's a hell and who don't think that there's a hell, is simply this. God doesn't really care what you think. God doesn't really care what you think. He's really not interested in your opinion. Opinions may change minds, but they never change facts. The fact is God's word says there is a hell to shun and there is a heaven to gain and that all who die will spend eternity in one place or the other. There's no in-between. Then there are others who say, well, I don't believe, you ever heard this? I don't believe that a loving God would send anybody to hell. You know what our response ought to be? That's right. God doesn't send anybody to hell. Uh, the Bible doesn't teach that God sends anyone to hell. In fact, God has done everything possible to, to keep people uh, from going 
to hell. In fact, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 24 says this, the path of life leads upward for the prudent that he may turn away from Sheol, or another word for Sheol there is hell, beneath. And so uh, that is what God has done. He has, he has made the path upward uh, to turn away from, from hell. Second Peter 3 verse 9 uh, and verse 10 says this. Uh, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should, should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens uh, will pass away. Uh, and, and with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The scriptures are very, very plain for us today. The decision as to whether or not you go to heaven or you go to hell is up to you. There's two ways, one that's leading up, one that's leading down. And God has provided a way of life that leads upward to heaven, but you have to choose to take that way and to turn away from hell. The decision is up to you. God doesn't send anyone to hell. We send ourselves. And so you know, there are many people who believe that you have to work your way into heaven. I, I believe you just about really have to work your way into hell. Uh, because God has set up so many roadblocks, if you will, to hell. For a person to go to hell, they have to go through the Bible. They have to go through the cross. They have to go through the gospel. They have to get across the church. They have to get through the Holy Spirit. They have to go through the witnessing believer. They have to go through the preaching of the Word of God. You know, it's kind of funny how people want to argue over the reality of hell. They kind of remind me of two hunters who were out in the woods and they weren't very bright and they came upon some tracks while they were out hunting and they began to argue about what kind of tracks they were. One hunter said, well, these are lion tracks. The other hunter said, no, you're wrong. These are bear tracks. And the first hunter, he said, look, I've been hunting for over 30 years. I think I know lion tracks when I see them. These are lion tracks. And the other hunter said, well, I've lived in these parts all my life, and I've hunted almost as long as you have. I'm telling you, these are bear tracks. And while they stood there arguing over what kind of tracks they were, the train ran them over. <laughs> You'll get that one a little bit later, what kind of tracks they were. Sometimes that's the, that's the absurdity of arguing uh, over the existence of, of hell or, or, or heaven. Uh, you know, we can argue all day long about the reality of hell, but I tell you, all the time you do that, the train of God's judgment is bearing down on you. And one day it will run you over and carry your soul to hell if you're not saved. If you don't believe in hell, I can assure you that you will five seconds after you've died. Somebody has defined hell as this, truth that's seen too late. Because think about it. If there is no hell, preachers and teachers and theological professors aren't really needed. Uh, a sailor came to a chaplain one, uh, on board a ship one day and said, Chaplain, do you believe in hell? And he said, yes, I do. He said, why do you ask? He said, a very, simple, very simply for this reason, he said, if there's a hell and you don't believe in it, we don't want you for a chaplain. And if there's no hell, we don't need any chaplain. That's the truth. You know, I wish we could say that there is no hell, but if we did, we would, we would be lying. I wish we could skip over every passage concerning hell and, and never speak about it or preach about it. I wish you could, I could tell you everything, everybody's going to heaven and nobody's going to hell. Sometimes we act that way. Sometimes our world thinks that way. Uh, but if I did, that would be hypocritical. The fact of the matter is, if we're going to prepare people for a place called heaven, we have to talk about this place called hell. We have to do it lovingly, and we have to do it with a broken heart. But we've been called by Almighty God to warn a lost world of the curse of hell. I also want you to see tonight the cause of hell. The cause of hell. Why are these people cast into hell? Why are they forever doomed and damned to spend eternity in this place called hell? Well, there's actually two reasons that we find in these verses. The first reason is because of the mark they received. These, these future prisoners of hell are the ones who verse 9 says, it says, and another angel 
a third followed them saying with a loud voice if anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand verse 10 tells us they're going to be cast in to this to the, to hell and so that's the first reason these who are in this tribulation, those who've received that mark, everybody who takes the mark of the beast is going to sign the eternal death warrant, their eternal death warrant. And so everyone who follows the false prophet, everyone who worships the devil is going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. But this isn't the primary reason why they're condemned to hell. The fact that they receive the mark of the beast is a symptom of a far greater problem. The real reason that they're sent to hell is because of the message that they rejected. Because anyone who takes the mark of the beast has been given fair warning. Remember verse 6? Here was verse 6. He said, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. In other words, there's going to be nobody on the face of this earth who's going to have any excuse to say, Oh, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't hear what God said. I didn't hear the warning." Because what we see here is with a cloud for his platform and a star for his pulpit, this angel proclaims the gospel to the entire earth. And that fulfills the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 14 that says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. That's a part of what we're doing today in sharing the gospel uh, where we are and, and, and in, our, in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samarias, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We're sharing the gospel to the ends of the earth that one day this prophecy will be fulfilled. But ultimately it will be fulfilled when this angel comes and declares one final time to all the tribes and all the people and all the nations and all the tongues so that no one is without excuse. The end that Jesus is referring to in this verse in Matthew 24, 14 is the end of the great tribulation. In these dark days of the great tribulation, God is going to send this angel who's going to come and preach the gospel to the entire earth, giving that one last clear call to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This gospel isn't primarily a message of salvation, but primarily a message of judgment because this message will be a warning of the impending judgment that is coming uh, against the Antichrist and everyone who follows him. It's God's last warning to this wicked and rebellious world that the hour of judgment has come. It's not primarily a message of grace, but rather a message of grief. This message found in verse 7 uh, is given uh, in three parts. Notice verse 7 here. It says, And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth. There's that part we talked about of creation earlier that he brings them back to creation to say he's the one who created it all. He's the only one who is worthy of the worship. So worship him who made heaven and earth, uh, the sea and the springs uh, of the water. And so this message is given in three parts. First of all, there's the message of conviction that says, fear God. In other words, this angel is saying, don't fear the dragon. Don't fear the beast. Don't fear the false prophet because all they can do is kill your body. You need to fear God who can kill both body and soul. He's the creator of you. It's also a message not only of conviction, it's also a message of conversion. Because notice what else it says. It says, give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. So the primary purpose of, of, of mankind is to worship God and to glorify him forever. That's what we are to be doing right now. And so it's a message of conversion. Give him glory because the hour of judgment has come. But it's also a message of consecration. Notice what else it says there. Worship him. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. There's this appeal to worship the creator and not the creation. To worship the right God in the right way. The devil says worship the creation rather than the creator. 
But here we see the issue is crystal clear to us because we see that the beast has been saying, worship me or I'm going to kill you. Worship me or you're doomed. God says, worship me and you'll live. But if you don't worship me, you will be damned to hell forevermore. The, the world doesn't listen to us. They reject this message, and the Bible tells us many of them receive the mark. And that teaches us a great lesson, because we don't go to hell for what we do, but for what we do not do. The world thinks that if people go to hell, they go because they murder, or they lie, or they steal, or they rape, or they cheat. But did you know that Jesus died on the cross for every one of those sins? Think about it. For somebody who kills others, Paul was guilty of that. Paul was guilty of killing Christians, and yet Jesus Christ comes to him, meets him on that road to Damascus, saves him, turns his life around. So it's not so much the things we do uh, that, that send us to hell. The only sin that will send a person to hell is the sin of refusing to accept the gospel message, and therefore the gospel master, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then also notice, notice in, in, in the next verses here in verse 10 through verse 11, the course of hell. There's the curse of hell, there's the cause of hell, but there's also the course of hell. Notice verse 10 uh, in, this, in this passage. Uh, we're told that hell is a place of unending despair. He says, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur or brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. It's a constant torment, a constant agony, a constant pain, a constant burning, a constant breathing in that smoke the whole time. These worshipers of the beast and its image will be there, and whoever receives the mark of its name. We're told hell is a place of unending despair. Here's the point. It is unexcusable to go to hell because he's made every warning he could possibly make. But it's also inescapable once you get there. Nothing can be changed once you're there. Sometimes people ask the question, do you believe uh, the fire and the brimstone are real? Well, quite honestly, I believe the fact that it's repeated too many times in the Scripture not to be real. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20, we're told that the beast and the false prophet, notice what it says about them. The beast was captured, and with it the false prophet, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped this image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, or with, that's another word for brimstone uh, there, where, where the beast and the false prophet uh, were. Uh, we see that in the next uh, verse here. If anyone's name is not found uh, written in the book uh, of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, Revelation 20 and verse 15. Uh, we're told they're thrown into that lake of fire. You know, you know, we we know uh, the the old saying, uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. But here's what we read in verse 11: that smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and the idea is it just continues on and ever and ever and ever to infinity, and they have no rest day or night. And these worshippers of the beast and its image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Uh, those are going to be those. It's a place of unending darkness. Because Jesus, uh, when he was referring to hell, said this in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12. He said, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's going to be a place of darkness. Peter tells us in 2 Peter in chapter 2 and verse 4 that the rebellious angels who fell from heaven... Uh, will also be there. Uh, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell, 
and notice, and committed them to the to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. And so we see the darkness there also. Uh, here's what Jude, we don't read Jude that often. Uh, it's just one little chapter uh, that the book of Jude gives us. But Jude cha- verse, verse 13 there says, Wild ways of the sea, casting up foam uh, of, their ne- of their shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. And so think about that. Have you ever been to a cave? Uh, never been to Mammoth Cave up in Kentucky? You know, they take you on that tour, and when you go there, you go deep, deep down into the earth. They do the same thing at, at Ruby Falls uh, there also. You at least can hear the falls uh, when you get so far down. Uh, but the, the lights are then turned out, and you're put in complete, total darkness. If you've ever been there and you've seen that, it's, it's kind of unnerving. I mean, because it's not like it is at night when you go out and, and there's no street lights. Maybe you go far out in the country. You can at least sometimes, if the, if the sky is somewhat clear, you can see stars. You could possibly see the moon. There's some ambient light uh, in, the, in the sky. But when you're in a cave like that and they shut out all the lights, it's total, complete darkness. And that's what it's going to be in hell forever and ever and ever. And Jesus says this in John chapter 3 and verse 19. He says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. But what did the people love? The people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You know, one day God is going to give us what we've always loved, eternal darkness. It's a place of, uh, of unending uh, death uh, also. Uh, and that's what we also see there uh, in verse 11. That smoke of torment that rises up forever. They have no rest day or night. These worshipers of the beast in this image, whoever receives the mark uh, of his name, it's going to be an unending darkness there, but it's also going to be an unending death. So understand that death is not annihilation. Notice what we see there or saw there uh, in verse 11. Uh, this, this continues on. It doesn't, they burn, uh, they're in fire, and poof, it's done. It's over and over, day after day after day of darkness and agony and pain and suffering. So death is not annihilation. In the Bible, death is separation. Death is the separation of the soul from the body. When you have a funeral, someone dies, uh, we, we, especially if we're talking as a believer, uh, we know that the body that's being placed in the ground, that's just the body. The soul has already gone on to be with the Lord when they drew their last breath. And, and so it's a separation of the body from the soul, uh, death is. And so uh, what we see in these, in these verses here, uh, that's what the Bible calls, calls the first death. But there is also the second death. And that's what we see in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14 says, Then death and Hades, or hell, were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. The second death is the separation of the soul from God. And that's the real essence of hell. Not the fire, not the brimstone, not the smoke, not the torment, uh, but total, complete, eternal separation from God. When Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, here's what he said to the church in, in Thessalonica in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. He says, And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well to, uh, as, as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus, that's talking about the end time judgment, they will suffer the punishment of what? Eternal destruction. Where? Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. You know, so often we try to lessen the essence of hell by comparing it to things on earth. We even sometimes say phrases like uh, that I'm experiencing hell on earth. Well, this, there may be things that you may think uh, and, and feel like for yourself that, uh, that, that are hell on earth, but uh, there is absolutely no comparison. Hell is hell, and it's a place of no rest. It's a place of no release. It's a place of no refreshment. Anything you face on this earth, hell itself is 
a hundred thousand times worse. Notice, secondly, though, the triumphant death of the saint. You know, that's the way you see the Old Testament always. Some people look at the Old Testament and they think of God's judgment in, in the Old Testament. But every time you see God's judgment in the Old Testament, if you look, it's there. You'll see God's grace and God's mercy and God's hope. And so even though we've seen all this judgment that is coming on the sinner, the tragic death of the sinner, here's the hope. It's the triumphant death of the saint. We see that in verse 12 and verse 13 because here we turn from the sinner to the saint. These are the ones that are marked by faith in the Lord and faithfulness to the law. These are the ones who trust and obey. Notice what verse 12 says. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith have their faith in, in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Wow, what an encouragement for us in those verses. These are the ones who trust and obey. These are the ones who keep the commandments of God and and. and, and uh, and their faith in Jesus. John gives the benediction over every person who dies in the Lord Jesus Christ. Solomon said it this way in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1. He said, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of death than the day of birth. That's so true if you're truly saved. Psalm 116 and verse 15 says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. You know, sometimes we think about death and we think, oh, I don't want to talk about death. Death is a horrible thing. But the Bible tells us it is precious. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Many of these saints that we read about here in the tribulation days, they, they died terrible deaths during the tribulation. But God turns their rivers of blood into showers of blessing. The, the beast cries out, I'll make you suffer. But God says, I will make you saints. The, the, the beast says, I will persecute you to the grave. But God cries out, I will promote you to glory. The beast says, I will blast you. But God says, I will bless you. Do you remember the very beginning of the book of Revelation that we read? That there's a threefold blessing, those who read it, those who hear it, and those who keep it. Here's one of those blessings that we read about, the blessing of God on the saints. Notice uh, that, that, what, that, that these precious saints, uh, what they receive uh, when, once they die, the rest they desire, the rest they desire. So notice what it says there. Uh, he says, uh, right, blessed are those who are dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. So to understand the meaning of that statement, you have to understand those two words, the word rest and the word labors. Rest here doesn't mean doing nothing. It doesn't mean to cease all activity. Some people think that when you get to heaven, you're going to spend eternity laying on clouds, eating grapes, and playing a harp, and being fanned by an angel, and that's not heaven. That's boredom. The word rest here literally means refreshment. It means rejuvenation. It's the very same word that Paul uses over in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 18, when he says, For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours, give recognition to such people. The same word is used in the book of Philemon uh, in verse 20 when Paul said this, Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Same word as this word rest uh, that we see here in Revelation. Literally, the verb would be translated be refreshed. So heaven is going to be a place of activity where we're going to serve God, we're going to work for God, we're going to worship God forever and ever. And the word labor there, it doesn't refer to the act of work, but rather to the weariness that comes from the work. And, you know, sometimes we may enjoy what we do, but we, but we, may, ne we may never get tired of the work, uh, but we do get tired in the work. 
When we get to heaven, we're not going to be tired in the work. Uh, how exciting it is to know that there's a place where we'll serve the Lord for all eternity and you're not going to get tired physically and you're not going to get tired of doing it. If you intend to go to heaven uh, so you can get out of doing anything for the Lord, you're not going to be very happy because <laughs> we're going to be doing for the Lord in heaven. Uh, notice the second thing here in, this, uh, in, the, in what they received, the reward they deserve. Not only the rest, but also the reward. Uh, go back to verse 12, and, and you'll notice in verse 12, it says, For here is the call of endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of Jesus and their faith in Jesus. Uh, and and it, it tells us that their, uh, we read earlier that their deeds uh, follow them. That's simply referring to the reward that God has for all of his children who have faithfully served him on this earth. Jesus closes out this whole book of Revelation. In Revelation uh, chapter 22 and verse 12, it says, Behold, I am coming soon, Bring my recompense, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. There's three things about the Christian life that we need to learn. First of all, we need to learn that it costs to serve Jesus. The second thing we need to learn is that it pays to serve Jesus. And the third thing we need to learn is that the pay far outweighs the cost. Death is dread for the sinner, but it's a delight for the saint. Because how exciting it's going to be to die in the Lord Jesus Christ. Three men were the closest of friends. But only one was a Christian. They enjoyed the outdoors. They hunted. They fished together very often. And on one occasion, they were sitting around a campfire in northern India. These friends were drinking coffee, watching the sun go down. Not long before this, the oldest of the three men had become a Christian. But he had never had the opportunity, uh, the story said, that he had never had the opportunity to share the excitement of his new destiny with these friends of his. And so as they sat around that fire and began talking about their various adventures, and one of the younger men started and suggested that they answer this question, what's the most exciting experience in all of your life? Well, the first man began to tell of a tiger hunt that he'd been on and how he had stalked a tiger for over two days. And he described the final six hours where he finally came face to face with that gigantic tiger. And just as that tiger was leaping towards him, he fired and he shot that tiger dead just feet from his body. The second hunter, he told of an experience where he had been hunting in Alaska, hunting a grizzly bear. And he said that before he knew it, he had turned around and he was face to face with the largest grizzly bear that he had ever seen. He said he, before he knew it, that animal was upon his hind legs charging and, and just a few feet from his body, and he was able to fire off three rounds into that bear, and he fell dead at his feet. Well, that oldest gentleman just sat there looking into the fire, contemplating. Finally, one of the men said, well, what's the most exciting experience you've ever had? And the man said this, my most exciting experience? Well, it hadn't happened yet, but it will one second after I die. That man went on to describe the thrill that death would bring, bringing him face to face with his wonderful Savior. For those who are in Christ, that's what it'll be. What a wonderful joy it will be in life after death. You see, it can be a frightening thing looking behind a door that you don't know what's there, but no child of God ought to ever fear to look behind death's door because what you're going to find behind death's door is Jesus with his arms wide open to receive you there into heaven. What an awesome, awesome truth for us. Be faithful unto death to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for uh, doing all that you did for us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, for making a way for us. Lord, that there is no excuse for any person here tonight, any person listening to this message, to spend an eternity in hell. They have been warned and warned and warned. They have been given the, the gift, the free gift of, of grace, uh, that message of hope in the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And then all we have to do is to reach out and receive that gift, to say even here tonight, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he was buried in the tomb. I believe he arose on the third day. 
I trust in Jesus, and I ask you to save me and to help me live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray if someone's prayed something like that in their hearts, Lord, may they speak to me after the service tonight, or may they comment there in the comments online to let us know so we can follow up with them. But Father, I just pray that you would help us to, to hear the truth of your word tonight as unbelievers, that there is hope if we'll just receive that free gift. But I pray that we as believers tonight would hear this message, Lord, that we don't have long. And so we ought not to waste the moments and the time that we do have left on this earth, but to share this good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth, because it's only then that the end will come. Lord, none of us know when we're going to draw our last dying breath. Only you do. It's been appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. So, Father, I pray tonight uh, that as we come to you in prayer, Lord, forgive us for not being faithful as we should in sharing the gospel with our neighbors, with our family, uh, with people in our community, with people we, we meet in our paths uh, of life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be more faithful than ever before. Lord, that should the trumpet sound or should you call us home to be with you in heaven, we could be able to enter behind the door of death and walk right into your presence, right into your arms and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Bless us, Lord. Keep us safe in your arms. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much there for joining with us uh, online. We hope you've had a, a blessed uh, week uh, this week. Hope this message uh, blessed your heart. Uh, we want to encourage you to come back and join us uh, on Sunday. Uh, we'll be back at 9.15 for Sunday school in person uh, and, and encourage you to come and join us there. Uh, come and join us in, in person for our worship service at 10.30 or you can join us there again online, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, or our phone live streaming. But you have a blessed week. You stay safe and uh, we'll continue to pray for you. You continue to pray for those on our list also. You have a blessed week and we'll see you later.